Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to award-winning Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old-school basketball to a new-school audience, and today we bring you the story of Jerry Lucas. Back in 1996, he was a member of the NBA's 50th anniversary team. He was also a member of the NBA's 75th anniversary team. He was considered by basketball experts to be one of the greatest players of all time, yet he is hardly talked about. When people talk about some of the great power forwards in NBA history, they will mention Karl Malone, Charles Barkley, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Kevin McHale, Bob Pettit, Elvin Hayes. They might even mention Dennis Rodman or Sean Kemp, but hardly ever in these conversations do you hear the name Jerry Lucas mentioned. I know I have said this before, but it bears repeating. This is why we do this show. I wanted to create a podcast that captures the history of the game and the great players that have come through, but are probably not talked about anymore. I want to keep their names alive and their place in basketball history in the forefront. Jerry Lucas is definitely one of the greatest players to ever come along, and he needs to be in the conversation. But who was Jerry Lucas? He was born in Middleton, Ohio on March 30th, 1940, and it was a classic Midwestern blue-collar upbringing. What was different about Lucas was his incredible height. He was always taller than everybody and seemingly more coordinated, agile, and faster than everybody else. He attended Middleton High School, which was already had a winning tradition before he even got there. The head coach, Paul Walker, had already won three Ohio State High School championships before Lucas graced his gym. In fact, the tradition at Middleton High was so strong that they regularly sent players off to play Division I college basketball. Those players would come home during the summer and participate in what was probably one of the best summer leagues around. No disrespect to the Rucker League in New York or the Baker League in Philadelphia, the Summer League in Middleton, Ohio featured a whole bunch of active Division I players, and that is where Jerry Lucas got his first taste of big-time basketball. Even when he was as young as 13 or 14, he was already playing in this summer league with college players and holding his own. It was clear to everyone that they might have found the next great star for Middleton High School. Now, back then, high school was only three years long. It was 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade. Again, Lucas joined the high school team which had already had a winning tradition, and he kept that tradition going. As a sophomore, the team went undefeated and won the Ohio State Basketball Championship. As a junior, his team did it again. Again, undefeated and winning the state title. While they continued to play local competition as part of their local schedule, they also traveled around the state of Ohio looking for better competition. They traveled to Columbus, Cleveland, and Cincinnati looking to schedule games against the best teams around. Once they played another powerhouse team called Hamilton at a neutral site in Cincinnati, and they sold out the place with 13,000 in attendance for a high school game. That is how good and popular basketball is in Ohio, and it kind of makes sense. It's right next to Indiana, and that part of the country is crazy for high school basketball. For his senior year, 
things looked good for them to win a third straight state title, but they were upset in the state semifinals by Columbus North High School. For Jerry Lucas, it was his only loss as a high school player, and it also ended his high school career. Up until that point, Middleton High had won 76 straight games going back nearly three years. By his senior year, Lucas had grown to six foot eight or 203 centimeters, and he was fast and athletic, and he had offers from over 150 different universities to join their basketball team. And to top it all off, Lucas was named Ohio's Mr. Basketball, which goes to the best high school player in the state. He was also a two-time All-American his junior and senior year. To put it simply, he was rated as one of the very top high school basketball players in the country, which is why nearly every university wanted him. If that is not enough, he was also a track and field star who threw the discus. Now, when most college coaches look at a high school player, their first question is, can the kid play? Now, once they have determined that the kid can play and help a college team, the second question is always, what are his grades like? They want to know if the kid is academically eligible to go to college because not all of them are eligible for college because of how low their grades are or having poor test scores. That is what happened to Sean Kemp. He was supposed to go to the University of Kentucky but did not have the grades. Therefore, his scholarship offer was revoked. He then spent a year in community college in Indiana where he did not even play and then he went straight to the NBA. This kind of thing actually happens more often than you think. This is key in information for the college coach who is thinking about recruiting a particular player. If the kid does not have the grades, then the college coach will move on. When it came to Lucas, he had the grades. He was a straight-A student who was also a member of the National Honor Society. Now, if you're not familiar with that, that is a recognition that only the smartest high school students in the country achieve. And if I am being honest, there are not a lot of athletes in that group. And I know because I was an athlete in high school and I fell just shy of beating the standards for membership in the National Honor Society. I was an excellent student, but not quite excellent enough for national honors. After sifting through all of his options, Lucas decided to stay local and go to Ohio State University, or should I say, THE Ohio State University. As it turns out, the second best player in Ohio was going to join him there, and that player's name was John Havlicek. This is a good place to take a break, and I'll be right back with Jerry Lucas's college career. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of unique Unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row 1 catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row 1 Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes. Hi, everybody. Dan and Andrew from Hello Old Sports here. We wanted to drop in and let you know about our latest episode. That's right. We interviewed the co-authors of Phyllis George, Shattering the Ceiling, a biography of groundbreaking broadcaster Phyllis George. 
And her life is really sort of a journey through 20th century America, from Miss America pageants to the Kentucky State House to the groundbreaking NFL Today show on CBS, even the Kentucky Colonels, the old ABA. We got into all sorts of stories about the Celtics under Red Auerbach, about the interview with Roger Staubach, about really all sorts of things, a fight between Brent Musburger and Jimmy the Greek. We really enjoyed talking with Lenny Shulman and Paul Volponi, who teamed up to write this book. The book is on sale right now wherever books are sold, but, but, you know, within reason. Garage sales, probably not. So go <laughs> ahead and pick up a copy today. And if you want a chance to win the book, you can go to sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways and register for a chance to win. Goodbye, old sports. Welcome back to the show, and let us continue with the story of Jerry Lucas. As I mentioned before the break, Lucas had one of the great high school careers of all time. He was a two-time All-American, Mr. Basketball for the state of Ohio, two-time Ohio State basketball champion, and he was a straight-A student. He also possessed an incredible nose for the ball and was considered an amazing rebounder. Here is the really incredible thing about Jerry Lucas. He did not attend Ohio State on a basketball scholarship, even though the school had offered him one. Instead, he accepted a full academic scholarship to Ohio State. That allowed Ohio State coach Fred Taylor to give Lucas's basketball scholarship to someone else and really bring in a robust freshman class. You see, in the United States, the NCAA limits how many scholarships each team can offer each year. So each school has to determine how many scholarships it can offer based on how many of their current scholarship players are leaving the team. Back in the 1950s, things were much simpler. If a team had three seniors graduating, then they could offer those three scholarships to three new freshmen for the following year. With Lucas playing on an academic scholarship, it allowed Ohio State to go get another top player. That other player was Bob Knight. Yes, that same Bob Knight that later coached Indiana University to three national championships and is now in the Hall of Fame as a coach. Knight played a backup role on that team as he played the forward positions, the same as Lucas and Havlicek. So as freshmen, Lucas, Havlicek, and Knight had to play on the freshman team because freshmen were not yet allowed to play on the varsity under NCAA rules. But their freshman team absolutely dominated other freshman teams on their schedule. They were scary good. Coach Fred Taylor knew that he had a special group of players. And once they were sophomores, Lucas was able to join the varsity along with the other players in his class. So what did they do in their first year on the varsity? They won the 1960 National Championship. Behind the rebounding and scoring of Lucas and Havlicek, Ohio State went 25-3 that season. But it would be unfair to say that it was all Lucas and Havlicek. The team also had Larry Siegfried, Mel Noel, and Joe Roberts, who would all play in the NBA. This team had five future NBA players on their squad who all contributed to their success. But Lucas was the team leader. He averaged 26 points per game and pulled down 16 rebounds per game. Those are monster numbers when you consider that in college, they only play 40-minute games, not 48 like they do in the NBA. It was actually Noel and Siegfried who came next with 13 points per game apiece. For his efforts, Lucas was named the most outstanding player of the tournament and was named a first-team All-American, meaning that he was voted one of the top five players in all of college basketball. And he still had two more years to go. Ohio State's future looked extremely bright when you consider that Ohio State's top four scorers were all returning for the following year. But things did not go as planned. I mean, they did have a great season by any reasonable measure. They went through their regular season schedule undefeated and won the Big Ten Conference for the second year in a row. They steamrolled all of their competition, but 
they were upset in the championship game by the University of Cincinnati by a score of 70 to 65. Lucas averaged 25 points and pulled down 17 rebounds that year. He led the entire nation in rebounding. Again, monster numbers. Everyone looked at Lucas as a future NBA star. While it is no consolation for losing the championship game, Lucas was again named the most outstanding player of the tournament. He was named a first-team All-American again, but in addition, he was also named the National College Player of the Year. He was the best college player in America, and he still had one more year to go. Ohio State was going to bring back three of their top four scorers. They had their eyes on bouncing back to win another national championship. Unfortunately, that would not happen. I mean, they would make it back to the championship game again in a rematch with the University of Cincinnati, but Cincinnati beat them again, but this time by a score of 71 to 59. Lucas was again named the National College Player of the Year and a first-team All-American. He had played in the national championship game three times, winning it once. That is an amazing college career, no matter how you look at it. Very few players can say they accomplished that much. But now it was time for the 1962 NBA draft. For Lucas, this was anticlimactic. He knew where he was going since he was in high school. The Cincinnati Royals drafted Lucas back in 1958 using a territorial pick when Lucas was still a senior in high school. So even though Lucas could not have joined the Royals until the fall of 1962, his player rights had belonged to the Royals since 1958. But just because a team drafts you, does not mean that you have to play for them. For many players coming out of college, the opportunity to play in the professional ranks pretty much outdistances any other option that the player might have. But not for Lucas. He was an extremely intelligent man and a great leader. He could have taken his degree and risen up the ranks of any Fortune 500 company and probably become the CEO by the age of 45. Because of his incredible mind, Lucas had many options besides the NBA where he could make nearly the same money as he would have made in the NBA. So for the 1962-63 season, Lucas did not play anywhere. Negotiations with the Royals fell apart and he decided to pursue another line of work. But that story is for next time in part two of our profile on the great Jerry Lucas. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon. <music>